it's this opportunity for us to look in the mirror and see ourselves really clearly. Yeah. A lot of times what happens when we do that is what we see in the mirror we don't like. Mm-hmm. And we have an opportunity in that moment to either go, well, that, that's not, I don't want to, I'm not paying any attention to that anymore. Right. Instead, I'm going to invent this other image of how I would like myself to be. Right. Or we can go, wow, this is mm-hmm. really helpful, useful information that I can use and put to work to create a better version of myself. Right. Welcome to the Find Your Voice podcast, a show where we believe in the power of the written word to create positive change in your personal life, your community, and the world. I'm your host, Allison Fallon. Whether you're an aspiring author or someone who swears they're not a real writer, we're here to show you how a regular practice of writing will help you access your intuition, make an impact, and find your voice. Join me for interviews with authors, writing prompts, and stories of how even simple words change lives. Before we get started in today's episode, I have to tell you how I met today's guest, whose name is Alex Bay. About a year ago, I was invited to come teach and speak at a writer's workshop in a place called Stanford, Kentucky, which by the way, if you've never been there and you probably never have because it's the tiniest little town in the middle of Kentucky, it is the sweetest, most ideal place to host a writing retreat or really to get any writing done. All those big city writing workshops have absolutely nothing on Stanford, Kentucky. I would go go back to that same spot every day of the week, but that's another story for another time. Alex was the first person I met when I arrived at this retreat, and he introduced himself to me as a writer, director, and actor in LA, which also happened to be where I live, where I still live. So my ears immediately perked up because I know that so much of what I teach writers to do in the book outlining and writing process has really strong parallels to screenwriting and the creative process that happens there. So I figured Alex was going to be a star student of the weekend. What I didn't expect, but I maybe should have, is that while there are plenty of parallels between what makes a screenplay work and what makes a book work, there are also strong parallels between what keeps us stuck in our creative work, regardless of what kind of creative work we're talking about. I watched Alex over the course of the weekend go from totally stuck to writing nearly 90,000 words in the days that followed the workshop, not because of anything that I did that was so special, but because he was able to dig deep and get himself unstuck using the tools that we provided for him. We'll talk about that on today's episode, about those tools. We'll talk about getting unstuck. We'll talk about what Alex helped me coin as getting limbic, but we're also going to talk about why so many people avoid the process of writing altogether because writing, as Alex says, holds up a mirror. And this is an incredible way to say it. It holds up a mirror to us so that we can see what's really going on. We can see what's really holding us back and we can see what we have to work on. And during a time like right now, pretty much nothing could be more important. In this episode, we don't talk specifically about race. In fact, both Alex and I are white, and we recorded this episode months ago, long before the death of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and the incident between Amy Cooper and Christian Cooper and all of the rallies and riots for Black Lives Matter that have been rising to the surface around our country this week and last week. 
But the reason I wanted to share this with you now is that we do talk about what happens when you begin to write and your writing reveals some hard truths about yourself. Like, for example, I'm an addict or I'm not very respectful in the way that I treat women, as Alex talks about today, or I need to work on my character. Or in the way so many of us who are white are finally waking up to, I need to acknowledge and recognize my own privilege my own buried subconscious racist ideas that have been passed down through generations and that I finally need to revisit and reroute and uproot. This is a very long way to say that I can't wait to share today's interview with you. Um, Let me add one more thing before we jump right in. We talked today about a program and a place called Onsite which is a place that's very special to my heart. It's outside of Nashville, Tennessee, in a place called Cumberland Furnace, of all places. But it's a therapeutic retreat center where you can go for a week at a time and go through a therapeutic process that is incredibly transformative and amazing. And if you're interested in learning more about Onsite, you can check out onsiteworkshops.com. But you'll hear Alex and I both mentioned that program today. We've both been through the program and we've both been profoundly impacted by it. So I hope Alex's story and our conversation inspires you to begin your own journey of transformation through the art of writing. All right, let's get started. Alex Bay, so good to be here with you. Thanks for doing this with me. <laughs> of course. Very good to be here as well. Nice to nice to talk to you. Well, one of the reasons I'm so excited to chat with you is you have been a writer across a wide spectrum. And we don't need to tell the whole story, but you and I met at a writing retreat back in August of this year, and you took your shot at your first book project, which is so exciting. So I want to talk to you a little bit about that, and then also your work in a whole different world in screenplay writing and directing movies and then acting in in movies and just kind of all across the spectrum. So why don't we start, though, with the first question I ask everyone I interview, which is, what does it mean to you to find your voice? Yeah, that's a great question. I guess for me, I'm still finding it, I think finding my voice. So I think it has two, two phases probably, and there's probably others, but one of them is just initially being like, this is the thing I want to say and identifying that in order to even write anything in any direction. But then I think there's a lifelong journey of really finding out your voice, finding your voice, you know? Do you see that as connected to, um, what it means to like really show up in your life as the best version of you or however you would say that. I don't know. Mm. I'm thinking about so many of the conversations you and I have had about just the process you've been in for the last couple of years of really taking a left turn in your life and trying Mm -hmm. to figure out what kind of man do I want to be? Yeah. I think um, it is always connected. And I guess like I would, I would say that, I didn't know it was connected to an inner journey before last year. The person that, that says, hey, by the way, this is about getting that thing that's deep inside of you out on the page. And I don't know if many artists know that going inward, going in into the process or specifically in my field, like the producer of a movie sees a script and sees something in the script and the job of the producer and the writer are to find a way to get 
exactly what the story is asking of you mm-hmm. out, out of, out of the creative person that's making it or channeling it and onto the page and ultimately onto the screen or onto the page of the book yeah. and ultimately on the shelves of, of a bookstore. So. Yeah, and you're touching on such an important piece here, which is, I'm just imagining, you know, you are a really creative guy. You've had a lot of success in the world of Hollywood. You know, there's always more success to have, but you've been really successful. And it can be, there can be this like air of glamour to it. Sort of like I'm creating these really incredible things that are connecting with an audience and people know who I am and they know my name and I'm connected to all these really significant people. And And I think what you're getting at is that there really is no way to get the art from inside of you, outside of you, without also going through this inner process of getting beneath the glamour of it and saying, like, who do I really want to be and what do I want to make in this world and what kind of mark do I want to leave? And and just because I know you personally, I know you've been going through that kind of transformation really in the last year or, Mm -hmm. or a little longer than that. So. Well, first of all, tell me if I'm if I'm off base there, but then also I'd love to hear like do you see that to be true for you and how has that been true for you? No, that's totally accurate. That's it's just interesting. Once you start seeing things like down is up and right is left, like now mm-hmm. everything's right and or now everything has to go left first before it goes right or everything has to go down first before it goes up. It's like you start shifting the stone or the or the crystal or something and start seeing things from that other side and it's like oh wow that is you know or you start seeing the theme of mo- most i don't want to say all but it seems like most oscar winning or grammy winning or any sort of like pulitzer or any any kind of award seems to identify inward an inward journey that got that got put upon the stage, you know, or, or the, onto the page, or, you know, you could mm-hmm. almost say that the highest art is the result of a going into the lowest depths of, of the human experience, you know, that, um, mm-hmm. the, the highest art explores the, 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 the deepest parts of, of humanity. Um, and that's, what's universal. Um, that's what everyone connects to. And for so long, I would identify like, Cameron and Ferris Bueller's Day Off and be like, gosh, that's so, I res- I resonate with that. And John Hughes wrote a story about kids on the North Shore where I grew up. And so not only was it something I identified with personally, because I grew up in exactly the same area, but everybody identifies with Cameron or Ferris because he identified something universal. And so the journey of finding something universal is always deeply personal in, in yourself. So that that was just the reveal for me about yeah. two years ago. I was like, oh my gosh, like I have character. I'm a person that has a, a level of something, but I don't have deep character yet. I need to go explore that. And that was the journey that I, I entered into. And that was, that was really the journey, this journey where you, you wake up one day and, you know, I mean, at least the way I picture it, as you tell the story is it was like a, like a, epiphany moment, you know, a moment in time where you realize this thing called character, you want more of it. Mm -hmm. And that's really the journey that launched you into the book writing. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about that. What's the connection there and how did this book idea come to be and what made you feel like I'm going to start taking steps in the, in the direction of put this story on paper? Right. Well, the first draft is itself an endeavor that is requires so much work and yet it's just the tip of the iceberg and it's yeah. just the, it's just the blueprint of the well, 
And yeah. I want to stop you really quickly. Yeah. Sorry, Alex, because I also want to say that that first draft requires so much courage. And mm. I know we have people listening who are at all different stages in the writing process, which is why I wanted you to talk about the book, even though cool. it is in, it's in process right now. And mm. it's a, a new medium for you, a brand new medium. So totally, I think it's neat for people to hear even someone who is a gifted writer and has had a lot of success and experience in another genre of writing. When you're switching to yeah. this new genre, it's a learning curve. And also most of what it takes is courage. I mean, it takes some skill, but most of what it takes is sure. courage to be like, I'm going to see where this story takes yeah. me. So, you know, to talk about the journey, which I mean, it's, it's special because I, I haven't, I don't think I've really done any interviews yet about it. And I imagine that, you know, we're in the process of putting a movie together and this movie is connected to the journey as well. And, and we wouldn't have gotten the script that we have, the version of it that we have without this, this process. And I wouldn't have written this book without this process. And I wouldn't be writing the way I am writing without this. So I, I, will, I will share about that. Uh, in 2017, a friend of mine moved back to, moved to LA. He was making an album and, and he and I reconnected and we had dinner and um, hadn't seen each other in like, you know, 15, I don't know, 12, 12 or so years uh, or more. And we were having dinner and I'd had this sort of theme of, of my life, my spiritual journey. You know, I lost my brother in 2009 mm -hmm. and I was in a lot of pain after all that. And obviously like no incident is an isolated incident. And so yes, he overdosed on heroin and he had a kidney disease and I gave him a kidney in 2004 and the kidney didn't, you know, the, the disease found the new kidney and that was a lot obviously. And that was where he started to resort to, you know, drugs mm -hmm. and alcohol to deal with things. And then my parents got divorced in 05 and that was a lot obviously. And then I moved to LA in 07 and, and just obviously losing my brother was a grand detonator that blew up the whole thing and resulted in a lot of behaviors and things that I wasn't proud of. And so anyway, I was, I had been for years kind of praying for clarity and, and wisdom. That was my kind of like thing. And I was telling him that and he goes, Hey man, that's, that's great. Clarity. That's, that's real cute. I was like, mm -hmm. you know, he, I don't think he said it was cute, but he was basically like, that's cute, man. That's really great. You know, like you want to see things, huh? I was like, yeah, it's great. You know, I'm really smart. And he goes, and I, uh, why don't I, why don't I just, uh, can I make a suggestion? I was like, sure. He goes, why, why don't you, you know, maybe you should, uh, you know, pray for courage instead. And I was like, huh. <laughs> and I yeah. started to say, like, ask God for courage. I was like, I think I'm supposed to start praying for courage. And I did not know what I was getting myself into. To learn courage requires courage. To learn courage requires something that takes courage to embark upon or embark through. And you know, for a long time, um, addiction was a big part of my journey and using each other and, and um, people using people. And, and it was uh, just a way of being in the world that was part of the male narrative, essentially, of to be masculine is to, to behave a certain way, uh, to, you know, get hammered at night and then hook up with someone or something. Talking about that moment of asking for courage sort of is why like the book needs to be split up into essays and also the book is like long-winded in certain areas, blah, 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 blah. Like, cause there's just a lot to that moment for me because it was the beginning of a shift that in some ways, and one things I, one of the things I was texting, I was texting with Rob Bell the night Trump when I said, this is a disaster. And he said, or it's a necessary explosion to a system that wasn't working anymore. And that was 2016, right? So 
we were just taught, we were literally starting to walk into a new way of being and we're all figuring it out. And it's arguably, you could start putting it, you know, pointing to markers where it all started and things like when the cell phone became Mm. this or when Facebook or when Instagram, you know, and it's starting to become, wow, there's integrity is doing its own work now. You don't have to call someone out anymore. It will call them. Integrity will call everybody out, you know, and um, behaviors are going to be exposed whether you like it or not. It's just part of the dark is being exposed by the light right now. It's just, it's just happening all over the place. And my own version of it was like, wow, my secret behaviors aren't working anymore. Someone's identifying it. And I started praying for courage and literally like, I got a phone call from a producer a couple weeks later. He was like, Hey man, you're not listening to any of the notes. If you just listen to my notes, you, you will succeed. And I was like, huh. And it was a lot harsher than Mm -hmm. that. And there was other words spoken maybe, but um, it was kind of like, wait, so all I did, and this felt like a death. And I think this is important to talk about. And I don't like people, <laughs> I don't like when people are like, hey, what I'm about to say is really important. But I think this applies to finding your voice because the person was identifying that you're not listening to notes. You are not listening anywhere. And all of my ex-girlfriends were saying the same thing. You don't listen. Don't listen. Yeah, you just don't <laughs> listen. So this is so fascinating because I think it's really important to linger on this topic that part of finding your voice is learning to shut up. Correct. (laughs) Correct. You know, and I think we think about like, you know, there is this element of having the courage to speak and to share your opinion and even know your opinion. But before we can even get to the place where we can know our own opinion or, or share the truth of ourselves with the world, I do think there's this time where what we do is listen. We listen to ourselves. We listen to our own thoughts. We listen to people and feedback that they have for us. Right. And I think that is a huge part of your story as, as you've shared it with me. Yeah. And you know, and so I literally, that was a Friday night at the Chateau. I was sitting there having drinks with friends. I got a phone call from my producer and I was like, huh, I better take this phone. And I'm literally hearing a guy tell me, listen, dude, I've made a lot of movies. They've been successful. If you don't listen to me, you will, you, you, all you have to do is listen to what I'm telling you. I'm literally helping you. (laughs) And something having prayed for courage, I guess you could argue that my, my heart had shifted into an openness toward maybe I just, I mean, it would, it is a foreign idea to this past Alex Bay over there. To, to listen to someone else's no- I had this myth that Scorsese doesn't take notes, that nobody takes, that Sidney Lumet doesn't, no one takes, and it's not true. Hemingway doesn't take blah, 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 blah. Everybody has amazing editors and amazing people around them that have always been, you can't surround yourself with just yes people. It doesn't work. I mean, I don't, I don't know if there's examples elsewhere, and then maybe there are. I, I don't know. But I, I know that the people that I look up to – have surrounded themselves with people that they respect and love professionally yeah. that speak into their world professionally. And more importantly, the people I noticed that I was looking up to a lot of times married and had someone that they had to, some process had occurred to them that actually got them to a space where they were able to even be married and able to even be able to listen to someone to give them feedback on life, you know, constantly giving them notes. Sure. Sure. Constant (laughs) notes from the wife or the husband. Sure. And, and so like, 
I applied the notes that Saturday, Sunday. By Monday, I was on the phone with one of our other partners who works with him. And we were on the phone all day applying them and making sure they were right. And then we had a draft that we liked. And then we got to a place where we knew we wanted to hear the draft out loud because someone had listened finally and finally applied some notes that were were work were making the draft better. You know, then went to uh, then we had a table read after that, and you you should see there's a photo of me at the end of the table that a friend took, and I look miserable because I'm literally hearing what the script is asking me to do, which is <laughs> like, you have a lot more work to do. This script's nowhere close to being ready. And you may think that your movie's ready to go, but it's, it's so far from being ready right now. And it was essentially saying to me that both characters, that the male character was, was on one level and the female was still not a human yet in the script. Whoa. Yeah. That feels really symbolic. That's mm-hmm. huge. Very. So what was I doing? I was living in a world where, uh, you know, women were objects or... Yeah. I wasn't, why wasn't I listening to all my girlfriends? Did I respect them? Did I, you know, was Mm -hmm. I, did I, was I taught to respect, you know, was, was I raised in a culture there where we really respected what women, women? Yeah. I mean, and again, I'm like, it's like, I, I wrestle with being a part of this process where if I have a voice and I have something to say, and, and this is something that is a part of the role that I'm playing, um, with all these things that I'm, that we're making and what's going on is that like, I say some things that are hard to say and maybe that aren't sure. comfortable. Like, cause it's it, super courageous of you to share it though. I, I think one of the gifts, one of the greatest gifts of the writing process is that you write and then you yourself as you are show up on the page. Right. It's, it's this opportunity for us to look in the mirror and see ourselves really clearly. Yeah. And I think it's important for us to stop here for a second because a lot of times what happens when we do that is what we see in the mirror, we don't like. Mm-hmm. And we have an opportunity in that moment to either go, well, that, that's, I don't want to, I'm not paying any attention to that anymore. Right. Um, I'm going to, instead, I'm going to invent this other image of how I would like myself to be. Right. Or we can go, wow, this is mm-hmm. really helpful, useful information that I can use and put to work to create a better version of myself. Right. And, and to continue to grow. And you've done the second thing, which I think takes more courage than anything else in the world. So mm. I don't know if you have thoughts about that or like what you, if someone's listening and they have had that experience where they start to put words on the paper. And I think the way that most of us talk about it is like, you start to put words on the page and you're like this, I don't like this. This isn't turning out how right. I wanted it to turn out. And usually what that is, is a process of us seeing ourselves clearly and going, mm, I don't like what I see. Right. Yeah. I think, you know, our, our pal, Ali Trowbridge and I were talking the other day. I think we even, I think there was a con- I think there was some sort of a sentence that came out of the conversation that was like, if it's cringeworthy, it actually is probably good. Like yeah. <laughs> meaning like you, if you hate it, it's probably a good, it means something good. You know, like there's a version of cringeworthy when you're editing and the, the performance is so horrible that you have to literally try to figure out how to get, but you know, there's sentences that are cringeworthy because they weren't well-written, but then there's things that are scary and terrifying. And I think like 
with with the book process, which happened in August of 19 here, uh, where I started on like 11,000 words in the first day yeah. and then like wrote 90,000 yeah. within, you know, within the month, um, which happened and just came out. But I started to see, oh God, this is going to be hard. But I just was like, wait, that's the invitation in. That's the, that's the, oh, that's the bear. Okay. That's the ticket. That's the doorway. Uh, let's, the the indicator was like if it if i hate it let's keep writing about that and so it was just like the game and the trick of the writing for me in that in this process was i hate this and i don't want to talk about it but i'm going to say it out loud which was like talking about sex and love addiction and alcoholism yeah. and like what this thing really is and how prevalent it is. And, and one of the things I am with your family members, which I know a lot of totally. struggle with too. Yeah. And understanding what love addiction really is and why people resort to sex because it's not heroin or Coke. Heroin makes, you know, my brother overdosed and died of a heroin overdose. So I was not going to touch that. So it was easier. And I don't want to say everybody in the entertainment world, but entertainment world has a whole side of it that operates only on transactional, you know, sexual or transactional relationships or in whatever form that can take, whether it's monetarily, professionally, sexual, like, and you know, people, there's a system and a commerce of using other people that just goes on. And all I'm saying is that I wrestled with those thoughts yeah. and I thought what I what I'm saying is that like the generational wound of our country is is raping and pillaging to get whatever we want. Yeah. That that's what I'm so so and that wound too like just to connect this back to the general theme of what we're talking about is that until we see a system clearly we can't stand against it. And that's really what right. happened for you in that moment is you start to see things more clearly and you realize the system that's happening inside the entertainment industry is not how you want to live your life. You didn't, it's almost like you didn't even really know that before any of this happened. And I don't know if no. that feels accurate for you, but like you're just kind of going through the motions and doing what everyone else is doing. And you aren't really in touch with the fact that this is not feeding my soul. This doesn't right for me. The, the rest of the the character kind of, at least the, the story, how it goes, is just like a couple weeks after the, the table read, about a month or so after, I'd already stopped drinking because I didn't feel like I was, me and drinking didn't really get along very well. I was like, I don't think we work. I don't think we're really, I don't think this is doing anything good for me. Um, I was on the phone with with our friend again, the guy who um, we talked to me, you know, taught, taught the prayer of courage. And we were on the phone. He was like, you know, I don't think I ever told you how I left music for a year, 10 years ago. And I was like, huh, where's this going? Cause I'm never leaving Hollywood. There's no chance. <laughs> and, uh, and he goes, yeah, my music was okay. It just wasn't, it wasn't really like doing what I wanted it to do. And, and I realized it was because I didn't have any character. Hmm. And I was like, huh. And I got off the phone and I felt like I was getting invited again into a, 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 an ask or a desire that I always had, which was character. And I said, God, give me character. And I felt like God said, are you sure about that? And I said, yes. And <laughs> I think I felt like God, it was in the holy, you know, like, F, you know, like the, the surveillance room. He was like, all right, guys, send him in. You know, yes. basically like he's, he's, I don't even know if he really means it, but he said it enough. He said he wanted it and we're just going to give it to him. And it's like time <laughs> to just go. And like the holy FBI essentially, proverbially rated my, my, my life that, that day. And that night a, a, a movie project fell apart and a friend had said to me, Hey man, um, this was another buddy. And you said, I, I think you have some stuff to look at. I think it has to do with some wounds. And if you don't look at this stuff, it'll kill you. And 
every time I tell that story, someone will say immediately what, what uh, my buddy who was with me that night said. He said, that's a friend right there. And, yeah. and, and a friend really, um, a true friend shows you the, the, un, the unseen about yourself, you know, um, holds up the mirror. And it all just made sense in that moment. Like I have been, I've been running and medicating and, and um, I've been, I've been striving so hard to the point that, and I just, and that's, you could identify that moment as a bottom or a burnout. Um, but I totally burned out. I ended the whole thing. I turned all, all the engines just, I say shut down or, or I turned them off, but they shut them. They blew up. Like the engine stopped, like the plane crashed. Mm. It was over. Um, the way things were working wasn't going to sustain any longer for me. And, um, you know, um, yeah, I got to, uh, I'm grateful for 12 step program. Cause I, I started right away and, That's um, amazing. sad and Matt Wirtz triangulated me essentially. And, introduced me to Miles mm. Adcox. And within three days, I was on the phone with Miles, sobbing my eyes out, going, what the hell is all this? What the hell happened? What is yeah. He goes, dude, it's a bottom. It's not rock bottom, but we're going to use this. And like within one week, um, I got a phone call from Miles after that phone call. And he said, can you get on a plane in the morning? And I was on a plane to Nashville the next day. To go to onsite, right? Was, to go to onsite, yeah. Yeah, we can have a whole um, long conversation about onsite. Oh, yeah. That's we terrible. can... So it's just, but yeah, it's such a long, again, like this is all an experiment in itself, just like talking about this. Cause how do you talk about this without it being like a 20,000 hour long winded, you know, whatever, but yeah, yeah, essentially like, because this is all part of the writing. It is. You're, and you're doing a great job of hitting the highlights. I mean, I think that you're, we're seeing the connecting points here between what it takes to be a person, a creative person in the world and, you know, to write a screenplay or a book and then Mm. what it takes to, you know, like to walk that inner journey. Um, There's just so many connecting points that we could pull out. One of them being the people that it takes, the supportive people that it requires in your life who remind you who you are over and over again. Completely. And and having, you know, like trained professionals like those at Onsite who can point things out to you that, the average person probably wouldn't recognize or see um, understanding your family history and your trauma, which writing plays a huge oh. role in that too, because how, how often do we sit down and really contemplate in an objective way, our relationship to our parents or our relationship to our siblings or how my experience growing up was different than my siblings experience growing up or whatever. Um, and, and writing gives us an opportunity to really ask those questions and explore those things. For sure. So, And I know your book, the manuscript that you have finished, I know explores a lot of those themes. A couple of things I know people listening are really going to want to know about. And and you just feel free to share what feels comfortable to you to share. Sure. But one of them would be like writing about family members. This is a question that mm-hmm. I get a lot from mm-hmm. clients I work with. How am I supposed to write about someone without offending them or hurting their feelings? Or um, to which my answer is really there's no do that but yeah um but how can i write about someone honestly and also respectfully one of the things that a friend said to me a lot after my brother died that i i i guess i write about i write about in the book a lot is reality is your friend and i started to hear that and yet it took literally like eight and a half years to know what that even not even i mean literally it took inside of you know the bottom going to onsite, getting sober, like staying, 
living in Nashville, reading, uh, sitting outside, listening to birds and, mm. um, you know, list, reading the Bible and Kurt Vonnegut and Norman Mailer and re- in writing uh, the beginnings of something in Don Miller's uh, writing shed, thank God for Don in that shed, that was where I started to understand what reality is. You're like, whoa, this is reality. Oh, like what really is what really, I guess what I say is like the way to do it, it seems is to just say what happened in a true way. Yeah. In a true way. You know, what's challenging for people with that. And I, and I say this was challenging for me too, in writing about my divorce and my ex was Mm-hmm. we inflate things in our minds. <laughs> right. So right. like, that's another, it's another one of those moments where writing forces you to really tell, like really consider, is this the truth or, right. and what's the difference between the truth of my experience and the truth as in like the facts of what actually happened? Like if I yeah. try to recall the actual words that were spoken, am I remembering the words or am I remembering the way that I received the words? So it, well, it forces yeah. you to like really consider that as you're writing and then as you're editing too, as you go back through, you read it the second time around and you're like, whoa, that, that mm-hmm. feels a little harsh. Maybe I should yeah. pull that back a little or, or whatever. Yeah. I've, I'm, I'm, I'm about to start embarking on that <laughs> re- rewrite at some point. I'll talk, I would love to hear your thoughts on that. But um, one thing I think you did really well, Alex, though, you, you, um, like opened the floodgates and you just got the words down. So talk a little bit mm-hmm. about how you were able to make that happen. That's a challenge that I don't, I don't think most writers are able to overcome that challenge, but you literally, like you said before, you wrote 90,000 words or close to, you had 11,000 written and then you wrote. Um, no, I wrote 11,000 in the first day okay. on that Thursday okay. when you guys all left, when we, so Allie Fallon and I were on a writing retreat and you were, Allie were, um, you know, leading, you were, you were one of the leaders of the retreat. And one of the things that you mentioned a lot was to get limbic and just start (laughs) allowing yourself to walk, get kind of access the limbic. I really identify with writers that talk about something else channeling or something coming through them or accessing something. I mean, sure. Taking the credit of like, yeah, my, my fingers were on the keys and I was, typing that thing out and that, but there was an unlocking that happened through just like, I definitely did the essential oils and I started listening to, I always put music on and I have candles going and things like this. And it starts to just like get my body into a space of, of allowing for, um, whatever you might call the muse or the, or the time, you know, the channeling to start happening or God to really start like whatever the inspiration to, for inspiration to try strike, and I love that quote that we people always mention, which is like, you know, do you write the asking the writer, do you write on inspiration or do you have a schedule? And he's like, well, yeah, I write on a schedule or I write on inspiration. It just happens to strike me every morning. At night yeah, and then, yeah. You know, and it's like, I am a steward of, of the, of the, of the gift of writing in the sense that I do try to get to the page as often as possible. And I at least try to write something every day or some sort of, jotting down of notes or ideas and, you know, even getting hired recently to write the script is like, now I'm at, I'm literally doing the thing where you sit at home and you got coffee yeah. and it's water and you're like the, 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 the damn computer's there and you just have to sit down and start, you know, and it starts, you have a gift, you know, it works, you know how to play the guitar, like just pick the guitar up. Like, yeah. and so I just sat there and what, I guess the unlocking happened was we had a whole weekend, a, a Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, 
of a pretty intense, like a lot of writing prompts. Thanks. Thanks to you. And a lot of just kind of exercises to understand. And I think it was furthering something I already did on my own a lot with things, but this was a cool, like, here's some practical ways to just like, you know, write about a thing that happened. How did it make you feel? Or put this drop of oil, just like let yourself get into a space. And then it wasn't until everybody really left on that Thursday morning when I finally was alone Hmm. that I just went, it just happened and it started happening. And then every day it started happening. And then I, you know, what was new to me was like, I hate writing in coffee shops. And I was still in this process writing on in coffee shops, in trains and parked car. I was like, literally just getting the thing out. I was writing on an arm of a chair out on a porch because that was the only space at this house I was living at to write. It was just like, okay, I'm on the porch and I'm using this arm to write. And so it's just, sometimes the thing just is asking and desperate to get out and it will come out at all costs. And, um, sure. But there is that it's two things. I mean, there's there, you're right that sometimes something's just asking to come out and it's the right time. But then there's also a sense that we have to allow it. And, and I think a lot of times writers get in their own way by blocking it. I'll say I've been teaching that the content about, um, you know, accessing your, dropping into your limbic system as a way to access Mm -hmm. your creativity for years. And you're the first writer who's really made (laughs) it a thing. Not that uh, plenty of people have used it, but uh, my favorite was after the retreat was over, you would text me just in all caps, getting limbic. And I'm getting limbic. Yeah. You know, I mean, like whatever it takes to, to make it work. But, um, but I just thought that was clever and, and a good way to just remind ourselves that, it's really about getting out of our own way and letting mm-hmm. the work come to us and through us more than it is about like summoning up or muscling together this thing that, you know, Oh, sure. To the world. It's always about trying to, you know, finding the truth of whatever it is that you're desiring to write and letting that be the access point yeah. into a deeper cavern that, that has a lot of information and a lot of places to mine to, um, and, and I did experience the thing that you mentioned and you've talked about in your sort of whatever the things that you talk about. And one of the, one of the things I experienced was, um, Oh wow. Like I'm, I it's, it is therapeutic. And I, I've had mm-hmm. that experience before. And I think in a way, the old way was to be therapeutic at everyone else's expense put it up on screen experience, like process a relationship through a film that you you literally are subjecting everybody to that's your own working your, your stuff out, uh, like, you know, on a public versus like, this seems to have something different to it. There's like, I'm working something out, but I'm also like, it's, it seems to be hopefully insert, hopefully in service to others versus like, being in service to just me, selfish work versus like work that uh, obviously there's always a balance of like why we do anything. And there's, I I've experienced though, like there's a version of performing that is now being in the, in, in service. There's a version of writing that's now in service of, of being of, of service to others versus like I'm doing this selfishly because I want to get famous or I want to get, you know, people, I want recognition. Right. Like I don't know exactly what I would like from this. I, I don't want to know. Um, I don't know like being recognized or being kind of sharing this kind of stuff is terrifying because it's actually like the real, it's the real yeah. shit. You know? yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. And, um, and I, that's the odd oxymoron or I don't know if that's the right word 
with this process is that, you know, like when you start from the place of, I want to be noticed, I want to be recognized and kind of like, I want to be known, I want to be seen for who I am. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you, you like the work that you put out into the world, um, it reeks of that a little bit. And then, right. and then when you learn to truly be vulnerable, there's this feeling of like, Oh dear, I hope, I sort of yeah. hope nobody ever reads this because it's too, it's so real and it's, it's yeah. really who I am. Um, and then that ends up being the work that actually really resonates with the reader and yeah. gains a wider audience in, in this weird way. It's, um, just like what we started, what you started talking about with the, mm-hmm. you know, moving down to go up. You're right. Right. And then there's like a part of it that you're just a, you're hopefully a vessel that you're yeah. poured out and you're being filled up with something that can help other people. Uh, if that, I would, I would love for that to be the case. Like I, I just, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's just shifting things from how can I be about myself versus how can I be about yeah. others? And that's a, or just not a taught, I wasn't, that wasn't a way I didn't have that way of being, um, I mean, well, I think it's just a, it's a lesson that we all have to learn. It's part of the process of becoming more human. And I'll mm-hmm. say, I haven't read all the way through your manuscript, but I've read a good bit of it. And I really do hope uh, that this book in whatever form finds its way into the world. I was telling a friend the other day that your, your tone, your cadence, your, the, the way that you put the words on the page is so unique. It's really different. And I think some of that wow. is probably born out of starting with a different modality, starting with screenplay, screenplay writing mm. and working in films first. There's just a whole different pacing to it that's unlike anything I've ever read. So, um, wow, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I, and and I mean, the themes that you're touching on are very human themes, and um, they're powerful stories. So, um, I really do hope this book finds its way into many readers' hands. Cool. Thank you. Two questions, two last questions that I have for you before we wrap up today. They're questions that I ask everyone in every interview. And the first one is, um, since we talk so much about how words have the power to transform our personal lives and transform our community and transform the world, I'm curious whose words for you have been that for you? So a book or a movie or a play that has been an agent of change in your life. Hmm. Outside of like the experience I've had, like, re-looking at scripture in a way from a human perspective and not not from a religious place at all or a moral or ethical thing at all like that that i've had i've had insane experiences where like you know get to a proverb and it says like the the furnace for silver the the cistern for gold and the lord tests hearts in the sense that like oh the whole pro the whole the whole purpose of this experience is to be refined Hmm. and i didn't know that before, you know, like, or I didn't, I may have read something like that and didn't have any idea um, that that was why we're on the planet is that it's, uh, it's for, it's actually for like the, the journey of healing, the journey Mm -hmm. inward, the journey, the long road of discovery uh, starts with the self and getting to know ourselves and our inventory and our character defects. And like, um, I don't think I, I, I don't know. I think, I think I thought life was about something else or even the, even the, the nice motive to have a family and all that is great is, is wonderful. It's like when, when you go at it from the wrong way though, it still becomes a selfish, it's a selfish thing. And so I think like that's one, but, but um, when you said this, um, what a book came to mind, which was called on love by Alain de Baton. Mm, and it's a good I love that book. Have you read it? Yes. It's a great book. Oh, 
I know. And it's so, it's so interesting. It's like to compare it to Wolf of Wall Street in the sense of like, wow, we're really exploring this by glorifying it. But the message is like, this doesn't work <laughs> in Wolf of Wall Street. In the same way, On Love explores a addicted, kind of crazy, codependent, wild, like thousand mile per hour relationship. And then he gets to a paragraph not to give anything away at all, but he gets to a paragraph that goes, and then I realized there was immature love and mature love. And immature love was a highly sexual relationship with a minor friendship component. And mature love was highly uh, based in a foundation of friendship and human connection. And then there was this other component of, of sexuality over there that's like a byproduct. And yeah, th this moment, I read it a couple of years ago, actually, actually beginning of 2017, which is kind of interesting, the, you know, seven, eight, nine months before I prayed for courage. But this information was sent to me through this book on a flight from Los Angeles to New York. And I read it all in one sitting on love. And I got to that paragraph and go, whoa, what's that? Mm -hmm. Like, there's image. Wait, there, wait, there's mature love? What, what, you know, it's like it actually it did what you hear about that writing can actually change people that a, yeah. that there's a potential for a script to occur upon your system. Meaning like a program can get installed. That's a healthy program that your body now receives and learns how to process as, as if that makes sense. And it does. that's what I mean by like getting to moments in scripture where I'm like, Oh my God, like, wait, this is a refining process. This is not about religion or something moral or ethical. This is literally a human writings. These are human writings about something occurring in interaction with something divine. It's like, anyway, really and something I love, yeah, just the, the, that the miraculous exists in reality, you know, that, that's great. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. Last mm -hmm. question. Long winded. It's all good. I'm the same way. <laughs> I'm like, you asked me for my favorite book. I'll give you 12. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. My favorite color. Well, that time, <laughs> let me talk about my time in uh, Kenya. One, oh, one. Okay. Um, if you had to put your legacy into words, the words you want people to remember about you when you're gone in just a sentence or two, what would you say? Mm, that's so like, so exposing. Um, <laughs> I think I would, I, I would love, I will, I would like to be known as a good friend, a mm. good father and a good husband. Love it. That's beautiful. It's perfect. It's perfect for me because of the journey is like, it's impossible and it only like I, it requires grand surrender and like it does. total. Yep. You know, um, it's the weirdest thing. You know, most of the, um, I just got married. Most people know that, but, um, mm -hmm. we've been, Matt and I have been talking a lot about lately, like the most important things that have happened in my life. I've had zero control over. And yet right. for some reason, still I get this feeling like I've got to, um, get my act together and sort of muscle things into place and really start to like hustle and work harder and make things happen for myself when all the best stuff that's ever happened to me, including meeting Matt was completely by chance. And there's no possible way I could have orchestrated the situation. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, that's sure. the vulnerability and humility of the human condition is that we just, we, we hope for something and want something and then have no control over bringing it to fruition or very little control. Yeah. yeah. So for sure. And like the best thing you can do, the, the best way to serve that process is to literally get out of the way. Yeah. True story, <gasps> which is true with our writing as well. So for sure. Well, thank you so much, Alex, for sharing your of words and your wisdom with us. We're really so grateful. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thanks again. 
Thanks for listening to the Find Your Voice podcast. We hope this inspires you to pick up a pen and start finding the words that will change your life, your community, and your world. If you liked what you heard today, share with a friend, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And if you haven't already, check out our website, findyourvoice.com. Subscribe to our Monday Motivation for free and get inspiring writing prompts in your inbox each week. Until next time, happy writing.